0: Welcome to episode 111 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro Allen and Dr. Todd Houston.
1: Okay, welcome back to another episode, and I'm back for another episode. Um, It was, I had a little bit of a vacation and a break, and it's nice to be back with Todd and recording again, and glad to be here with all of you.
0: Well, I I am so glad you're back. I have to give a little shout out to Michelle Bolivar, who was with us um, and co-hosting, but I'm I'm glad Michelle was able to do that, but I'm also very happy that you're back safely uh, from traveling around the world and with your 29 family members, and uh, you're
1: <laughs> we're all still alive too. You know, but you're
0: still alive and still speaking to each other. That's the that's yes. that's what amazes me.
1: Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and I. Um, As I had to, sometimes you can't turn off being an SLP either because I was in, I was actually in Iceland, which was a very cool experience, but I started to feel some sympathy for my students because there were sounds that they made in their language and even in the names of the cities that we went to that I like. It took me the whole like four days we were there to figure out the names of some of the cities. I think I got pretty good on, um, we went to Isafjordur and Sadisfjorder oh, wow. <laughs> oh, and Akureyri is the, the um, three of the cities that we went to other than Reykjavik. So and it took me so long to figure out how to say those. So I came back with some, some th- sympathy for my students. Um, But before I started, you know, traveling the world, I actually got the opportunity that I was in the same town as one of my schools that I work at and went to my first in-person IEP in seven years. Oh, wow. So that was kind of nice. And I did notice, you know, I've been doing this for so long, just online. I did notice how much easier it is to do things like jump in and make a comment Mm -hmm. and talk and to just that reading the room um, also. So that's something that I still feel like I need to figure out and adapt for online. I think think some things that can help are being very specific about things like where you want the camera when they set up the room. I I want to be looking at the parents' faces mostly, not staring at a wall. And if they can have multiple cameras, which sometimes the school will do, if I can, you know, I think schools are getting better at that because we all had to do so many meetings online. But if I can get another camera that's kind of pointed at the whole room so I can see who's talking and hear who's talking and then make sure that I can see the parents faces so I can know if they're understanding those, you know, test score results that I'm going through, or if they how they feel about that goal, I'm suggesting all of those non verbals is really important to get Uh, the other thing I learned in doing this was I actually got to like tour my school and see what it looked like and just even understanding like how far away kids are coming when they come to Mm -hmm. class and things like that and i have done that one other time in one of the schools that i worked at and if you get the opportunity it is great to be Mm -hmm. able to kind of just visualize the people that you're working with and where you're working and but i've worked in you know i've worked from utah to california and that's not really feasible Mm -hmm. some other ways that i've found to kind of get that school culture, which we'll actually talk about some on the podcast today, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other things that I do is I make sure I follow my school's and school district's social media accounts. So that lets me even do things like say, hey, you guys had an assembly today. Um, how was it? Or or let me know when there's going to be a different schedule because they have an assembly today and nobody forgot, <laughs> remembered to tell me that. Right. So for things like that, it's really helpful. Um, and just kind of, you know, asking your kids about their school, what's your school mascot? Uh, you know, what's who's your favorite teacher? Um, things that they like about their school, just trying to get a feel and make them feel like you're part of their school rather than just the person that they meet online once a week that has no idea what they're going through at their school. So those can be some things that can be helpful.
0: I think even just taking some pictures of different areas of the school, you know, and having those um, uh, available to to reference if you get a chance to go visit, you know, Mm -hmm. and just kind of be able to talk about, you know, the gym or the library or, you know, those kinds of places that maybe common, have that common knowledge with the students you're working with. Right. But yeah, I think that's great. I think that's great. And you know you mentioned you know having the the camera on the parents cuz you know and i think you're absolutely right about r- reading the room you know you could be trying to explain all this stuff and the if you can't see the parents they're checking their email or something on their phones and they're not even paying attention you know and so versus the parent who's right. hanging on every word and if you're not really seeing that you don't know how how it's going through i mean how they are sort of taking in this information are they really into it or are they just kind of barely listening or not listening at all? Mm -hmm. So it's, I think, yeah, if you can have multiple cameras on, that would be awesome. And, uh, having, but I think if you only have the one camera, keep it on the parents because that's obviously the people that are the most important in those meetings. Well, you mentioned school culture. We do have, uh, someone coming on today, uh, Carissa, bates is has joined us and she is a social worker by training but she's just started doing some telepractice work but she has some really great insights in terms of how do we work with children that have um, some social emotional issues and and what are some strategies there and she has a lot to share so let's hear from carissa
1: are you creative?
2: Do you want to give a webinar or teach a course? Maybe you're a writer. Do you want to create a blog? Maybe you have an idea for a podcast. Whatever your passion is, we at 3C Digital Media Network want you to be a content creator so we can bring your ideas to life. So to get started, visit our website at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com and sign up to be a content creator. We look forward to seeing your passions come to life on our platform.
0: So Carissa, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Can you share more about your background?
2: I have been a school social worker since 2008. And then I worked for eight years and then I started having kids and stayed home for six years, and then just went into teletherapy in January. So I'm still learning teletherapy um, and really enjoying working with kids again with um, some flexibility with, um, so I don't have to do daycare before and after school for my kids since I have three kids at three schools. So it's very, Mm. it's a very nice, it's nice to be back in the schools and it's also nice
1: to have the flexibility.
0: So just uh, taking a step, back for a moment i think what uh, a lot of our um listeners may or may not know is is how a social worker is working with public schools and and what specifically you or social workers in general kind of focus on in in the public school setting
2: yeah so um working in a brick and mortar school is a lot different than working online but when you work in brick and mortar school, I worked in three different school districts. So it really depends on the school district. The first one I did um, primarily special education and working with kids on mental health um, needs through their IEP. And I also um, assisted the principal in any like discipline or concerns he had um, that he didn't feel, not that he didn't feel um, competent in, but wanted a opinion and some advice. And that was a very, so that was the first school I worked at. It was a very small school. It was a K-12 school. So there was a lot of variety, um, but I loved it. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to a different school district um, as a mental health facilitator. So I've had many titles, mental health facilitator, family support worker, social worker. So that school, I was a mental health um, facilitator and I mainly did assessments for kids um, looking to see if they qualified for special education. And then if they did, sometimes I would meet with them to go over um, their different needs, if they needed some social skills or support or really anything um, the team decided that they could benefit from a social worker working with them. And also at that school, so I was part-time mental health facilitator part-time school social worker. So if there was crises that came up, um, for example, a student was feeling dysregulated, feeling uncomfortable or sad about something and it was preventing him from learning, Um, I would talk to that student and just see what was going on and hopefully support them to get them back in the classroom and and feel successful and feel comfortable in the classroom and going home at night. Um, and then my last school, I didn't do any special education unless, um, needed for crises. Um, in that school, I primarily did, um, uh, character education. I worked with students that were on IEPs, but not maybe had service minutes. So I'd work on, um, social skills, a lot of ADHD, anxiety skills, and, uh, Um, I did a lot of groups, but I did a lot of classroom work, which I really loved because it was really proactive and I really liked creating lessons for each grade level I did up to third grade and then I did a little bit in fourth and fifth grade. Um, Since their curriculum gets a little bit more rigorous um, I wasn't always able to do a monthly lesson in there um but. Um, classroom lessons, oh, I wrote the 504s at the last two school districts. I was a 504, 504 coordinator, um, and I like doing that because sometimes it's nice to have like your thing, and that was kind of mm-hmm. my thing for paperwork at my last school. Um, I just wore a lot of hats at my last school. I would assist the principal if she needed help with really anything, um, and I don't know, it was really flexible, and I really loved it, so... That was with brick and mortar schools were mostly what I did. And now um, that I'm doing teletherapy, I work mostly with kids that are just in special education and need social skills support or mental health support. Um, And I meet with them through the computer. So I don't get, I always say I don't get the chaos of the the (laughs) brick and mortar school, which I love the chaos. So I kind Mm -hmm. of miss it a little bit, but at the same time, it's nice. It's a nice balance to um, really focus on the students and not have distractions, I guess um, right even though I loved them if it makes any sense at all. Um, but um, and there are crises that come up and that I need to work through through teletherapy um, services. but yeah, that was the different roles in each um, in each school if I can condense it any in, in in short amounts. yeah.
0: Well, did you um, before we leave uh, the public school setting for a moment? Have you seen trends over the years of of like more of this type of case versus that type of case? I mean, kind of sort of excluding COVID because everything kind of went crazy with COVID. But, you know, have yes. you seen sort of different trends uh, over the past, say, five, five years or so um, with children that you were seeing in the public schools?
2: So I have not worked the last five years, so I can't touch on... Um, the last five years, but, so I worked in, like I said, a school that was like 400 kids K-12 um, in a very rural area. So super rural mm-hmm. area. And um, the needs in that school were different in ways I'm trying to think like, um, just everyone's more connected. The community's more connected. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that part was a little different, but also it was like a very, the community aspect I really liked because a lot of school pride, a lot of town pride, and I really liked that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I went to a different school district um, and I worked in a um, high free and reduced lunch school district. And those needs were um, were more different as in families needed a lot more help finding like food and getting supports in the community. So that part was different. And then I moved into a different suburb, um, highly populated. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and that school district also was more of a free and reduced blend um, school district. And their needs were similar, but also in a more wealthier area. So it was, it was a different dynamic. But mm-hmm. I would say across all the schools, I work mostly with kids with ADHD, autism, and anxiety concerns um, across the board i never that never saw a decline or increase in that. Um that was pretty consistent and um if, if that's what you're going for, I'm not really yeah. sure if that, um, if no, that made no. any sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that does. I, I um think that in recent years we've kind of seen the trend that there's kids with a lot more uh mental health concerns and we're seeing, you know, um I don't know if it's an increase of school shooting, but is sustaining of things like school shootings. And then a lot of uh, kids had problems with mental health during um, the pandemic. And so I think those are kind of some of the things we're seeing. I I don't know if that's what you've kind of seen as well. So, um,
2: Not speaking from maybe a clinical standpoint, but having kids that had to go through COVID and distance learning that have severe ADHD It was, it was a lot of anxiety, their anxiety levels went up greatly during COVID. Now, keep in mind before COVID, I, I had cancer and COVID when I had cancer, cancer and COVID overlapped. So our house, we already Mm -hmm. had high stress and a lot of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. So emotions were, weren't as things were different at our house. So, so when COVID hit and we had to be safe about being around people, it was a, different type of anxiety because I was on chemo mm-hmm. and obviously if I got good, that would have been really horrible. Um, but for my own kids, it was just really hard, especially focusing for them because, um, they were, it's just a lot of information was being thrown at them and it was hard sure. for them to adapt and hard for me to take care of three kids during that time that were doing distance learning and a toddler. So sure. I can see how anxiety can ramp up and how stress can ramp up during those times for sure.
1: Right. Uh, I was thinking when you were talking about your different brick and mortar schools, it seemed like you had a good sense of kind of like the needs of the community and the culture of the school how can, how are you, how can we kind of figure those things out when we're not physically at the school? I've had some schools where it's taken me a while to kind of figure out what that culture was and things like that.
2: Yes, absolutely. So that was new to me since I've never worked in teletherapy and I was worried about not feeling connected to the schools. Um, I thought like right away, I thought, okay, I'm going to see my students and then I'm done. Um, but I don't really, since I'm a social person, which most of us are, that wasn't quite um, ideal for me. And the best part was connecting, um, not through email, but through the phone with the case managers and uh, staff to get to know them a little bit. And um, through that, even though they didn't work for my company, they worked for the school, helped walk me through some things I've never done before. And it, um, it really helped um, understand the school I was working for but also understand the staff I'm helping and um, assisting and they're looking to me for support. So it was really nice to create um, rapport. I think that's really important. Um, we know that as therapists, creating rapport is really important, but sometimes we forget that that it's important for us to do that with staff members too, not just our students. Mm-hmm. So um, that was the best, that was my, my take away from just starting it is to not be afraid to call, because we're kind of afraid to call people sometimes, not be afraid to call people and actually get to know them. Um, it just really was, was my key for getting to know the school I worked at, for sure.
1: I like that. I think a lot of times we are like, I'll just send an email, I'll just send a text, but getting on the phone, I think, is a great way to get to know people better.
2: Yes, because um, I was doing text messaging and emailing, and I didn't really quite it's just hard to put a personality and it's just hard to get to know people without right. a little bit of personal contact.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know I've had some people that I've worked with that I'm like, they always sound like they're mad at me. And I think <laughs> it was just the way that they write emails.
2: <laughs> yes. No, some, and that's the hard part is you can never tell um, mm-hmm. what people's intentions are or their feelings behind an email because it's an email, not real person. Yes, you can. Um yeah, sorry, my kiddos hopped out. Um, but yeah, so I totally agree with that. And that was a shift for me because I am was used to going in the classrooms the first week and talking to teachers and students and just getting to know people. And when you go into teletherapy, you're like, boom, you're with students and you're working with staff, but you don't really know the staff quite right yet. So that was a great question. That's not even something I thought about, but it's really important.
0: So how have, uh, as you've gone from brick and mortar as you say uh and now doing teletherapy how has your approach to doing the work that you're doing how's it changed or how have you a- adapted uh with this new service delivery model
2: yeah so that part also i was concerned about just because i'm not used to doing um not face to face and i mean you get a lot of training which is really super helpful um and i looked up a lot of stuff and i started util- utilizing more virtual um like, like youtube has some really great um presenters for relaxation and um i started pairing up some of the videos with visual worksheets um that cor- that correspond with the lesson because it seems like kids need even though watching the video is good when you're done and you're discussing it, they seem to need something to keep their fingers active, um, or at least their eyes active on the screen. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the older kids, I feel like are okay, talking face to face, but the younger ones, having them draw out something or um, having been able to even look at a handout, um, for me has really worked a lot better than um, just talking. Um, and we do talk, not that we don't talk, but I try to make it a little bit more interactive since the sessions are a little bit are about thirty minutes typically. So we try to keep we try to keep it interesting by rotating through our different um, topics and activities, um, especially for the younger ones. Um, and also the older ones, I started reading um, some books with them, mm-hmm. which I really like. Um, there's some really good ones out there that I'm reading with. Um, sorry, one second. What you? Okay. You got to go ask daddy. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Go ask Eli to turn the TV on. Tell him mom said he asked you if he wants to be on. Sorry. You know, screen time.
0: Sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they were, they were uh, bribed with chores and then getting screen time while I was on. <laughs> so, Thank but anyway. You. that's That's good I'm not I'm not below that (laughs) (laughs) but I'm not um but um with some of the older kids I was finding that especially some of the ones that are a little bit more uncomfortable to talk to me I found a few good um social skills I found a few good social detective books where there's like a short story um and then there's social detective and they have like a worksheet they can work through that one was working really well and then um I've read Wonder, which the book Wonder, I'm sure you have mm-hmm. guys have heard of it. Yeah, um, and at first I wasn't sure if it'd be a good fit, but it was like a really good, after each few chapters, there's so many emotions in the book in so many different social situations. It was really good for the kids. Um, one of my kiddos actually bought the book. So him and I would read back and forth and it just brought up so much conversation. And for more hesitant talkers, I felt like it was a way for him to get his voice out, and then he would talk a little bit more with me because it wasn't as uncomfortable for him, and it was a really good tool, and I never would have thought of doing that um, through teletherapy until, I don't know, I found the book, and I thought, this might be a really great resource, so yeah.
1: it's good. I like those ideas. Speaking of books, we have heard that you have written a couple about um, some Things that are interesting to you and also to help some kids with emotions. So tell us about those.
2: Yes. So I love books, emotion books. Like I buy all of like Julia Cook's books, who I'm sure you guys have heard of. Um, I love her books and workbooks. So I wanted, so I have a little free library. Actually, um, it looks like um, Hogwarts from Harry Potter. Oh, nice. Yes. So you can see it very well. Um, But, anyways, it's like our, pride and joy anyway anyways we <laughs> love our a lot and um so I got into writing when I had cancer and it was like a really aggressive rare cancer and I had little kids so I had this outlet where I'd write out my feelings and as a therapist I know journaling is really important but I never fully got behind it if that makes sense mm-hmm. until I was having my own trauma and then I figured, I saw how effective writing can really be for trauma. And so I started writing and writing for some um, national organizations just about being young with cancer and having children and having an aggressive cancer. And um, so I started writing and I really liked that. And then uh, this last year when I've been starting to feel better, I had this bug in my like ear to write a book about um how kids can cope with cancer called we find joy cancer messed with the wrong family so anyways that one is in the works and that one isn't out yet but my kids helped me write that one and it's all about finding um positivity when it's not when you don't when you win things there would be positivity um Mm -hmm. and then I wrote a little book about my little free library and where this book it travels from little free library to little free library and it has all these emotions because it ends up in a thrift store and it is just appalled and uncomfortable (laughs) yeah but then it like finds like a family that hug him and it's just overjoyed and then it gets a little nervous because it goes in a box when it's being shipped off to another little free library so um so I wrote that book and I love the emotions of the book because I love emotions and talking about them and having a tool that's not in your face emotions if that makes sense sure It's just normal. We all have those emotions. So the book has those emotions and it's totally normal. And then I wrote an activity book because, hey, I'm working with kids and this would be really nice for me to use. So I wrote an activity book for myself, um, but I was able to publish it too. So that was kind of nice. So I can have it as an ebook and just bring it up on my computer through Amazon. And um, yeah, it was kind of selfish. The activity book was more for my own teaching when I do therapy than anything, but I was able to publish it. So that was really nice.
1: Yeah. I like how you say that, like, it's not an in-your-face, this book is about emotions. I think those work really well with kids where it's like, you kind of don't know that you're learning about emotions. Yeah, <laughs> And it just seems like, you know, a neat story that talks about emotions. And I think Wonder is like that too. It really so, is. Yeah. I like those ideas.
2: Yeah. Wonder is so... It just had like the the child, um, Augie in the book and wonder, he's just so positive and articulate about how he's feeling, but it's not like he's feeling sad. It's just like, it just goes through all of his emotions and he wonders why his mom is acting a certain way and he talks it out. And I love the normalcy of the embracing emotions since we all go through all the emotions probably every week at some point. Like me yesterday i was so frustrated i couldn't figure out how to log on to the mm-hmm. podcast and it was my fault and i knew it <laughs> so you know we all go through all those emotions so um i think it's really important that we normalize it and give mm-hmm. tools give tools when they feel overwhelming as well
0: sure So wonder i was just thinking it, the movie it was a movie with julia roberts is that right and the mm-hmm. little boy
2: so I haven't watched the movie yet since my son hasn't read it. So we have a strict policy that we're not watching the movie till he's read the book. So, but I hear the mo- the movie's good too.
0: Yeah, I, I, I didn't see the movie either, but I I remember when it came out that oh I need to need to do it, but I just never got around to it. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask. Yeah. This is sort of re- related to what you're doing, but not specifically social work or telepractice. So uh, I ask our listeners for a little little leeway. So your 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 library. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are, are, are getting books and then are they leaving books as well and like exchanging?
2: Yes, yeah, so a little free library is like a really good community tool. Mm-hmm. Like kids are at it all the time, picking books and leaving books. And for us, we have mm-hmm. so many donations. So we don't care if they leave a book, we're happy when they take books, but they come and they grab a book and adults do too. Um, and then they bring back a book and they're just constantly coming. The kids are, our neighbor boy comes like once a day, reads a book and brings it back, which is super <laughs> cute. But um, they're all over. There's like a whole website and app where you can sure. find them yeah. in every city. Um So yes, that's what a little library is. And we really admire people coming to ours. <laughs> sure that's awesome
1: (laughs) I love I love the idea of um um, we actually were staying in this lake house recently that the previous owners kind of just left all of their stuff and all of the (laughs) books were like Louis L'Amour and Mary Higgins Clark and all of these like mystery books and things like that (laughs) and westerns and my daughter was trying to find a book and couldn't find one and we saw a little library out on the street I was like oh go check the little library and see if you can find anything there and she comes back and she's like mom they were all the same books that we have at the house so we're, we might have to start our own there for the kids or something
0: like that Be a great idea we,
2: yeah we get so many overflow and so many high quality books that we stock them in libraries that look a little sad there's some park libraries that just don't get books too so we, we bring right. the overflow to also to save on garage space and sometimes it can be overflowing with books, so. Right. But yes, right. they're fun. And they're I think most of the Minnesota state parks that we've been to have had one, which are really fun for the kids if it's raining or something, so, yeah.
0: Sure, sure. Very cool. Well, that's awesome. Well, uh, thank you. I just, I wanted to just learn a little bit more about it. Um, and I think it, it's it's now time for the most important aspect of our conversation. And that is what we call our moment of Zen. This is where we ask you some questions. And you can answer any way you'd like. You can answer okay. one word, you can elaborate, you can explain, whatever you want to do.
1: And nobody and we... feels Zen when he brings this up, but you will by the end, we hope.
0: Did you, I think you, didn't, <laughs> you name, didn't you name this segment, Kim? You didn't you name uh, it at the I think it was segment?
1: you. I I don't
0: know. So <laughs> We have three lists of questions, uh, list A, B, and C. So you choose which list you'd like to try.
2: How about B,
0: B for Bates? Good. Awesome. So question one, would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert?
2: Extrovert, definitely.
0: Good. What's the best compliment you've ever received?
2: Mm, the best compliment um actually probably for my husband when he tells me that I'm a good mom honestly oh,
0: that's nice yeah that's I mean, nice. That
2: always my, yeah
0: that's good um next question who has been the most influential person in your life and how did he or she impact you
2: um oh that's a tough one the most influential.
0: Or just someone you, you think has had um, an impact.
2: So I think the most interesting and influential person, I think, um, for career wise, is my best friend had cancer when I was in high school. Um, and I would go up to the hospital because she was at the hospital um, inpatient most of the time. And her social worker would come into the hospital. Um, into her room and just visit. It wasn't like she was doing therapy. She wasn't assessing anything. She'd come in and visit and, um, and maybe controversial, but she'd bring her kids in on the weekends and visit the patients too. Mm -hmm. And um, so we'd see her, we saw her a lot. And um, through that, I switched my major to social work because it was, I'd gotten to know her over the year. And I just felt like she was just this I don't know, just like the comfort she gave to not just the patient who's her client, Mm -hmm. but to everybody in the room and how genuine she was, um, really just shaped um, my career. I was not taking social work classes at the time and I switched Mm -hmm. completely to social work um, and thought I wanted to work in hospitals, um, but I did an internship in the hospital and it wasn't (laughs) for me. And then before I started doing teletherapy, I was looking into possibly doing oncology therapy, but decided I haven't worked through my own um, trauma yet to actually do that. But um, yeah, I would say she totally shaped my whole life because now I'm a social worker and I love it. And yeah.
0: And and did you ever tell her that she had that impact on you?
2: You know, I did. Um several, several years ago, but I still think about it like, like it was so impactful, but I, I did send her a letter and I did call her cause I interviewed her when I was like a senior in mm-hmm. college. Um, I interviewed her and told her, but I think now that I'm practicing her, um, just her, um, way of dealing with and like her work motto and how she presented herself has been so impactful in how I work with people. Sure. Like I just want to, I wish I could emulate her. She's just so great, though. So, it'd um, be very hard, but definitely a goal in career-wise and life-wise. Honestly,
0: awesome. That's great. Um, next question: What do people misunderstand about you?
2: Misunderstand? Um, I think sometimes I'm so positive. Like my outlook on everything is so happy and positive that sometimes people probably forget that I do have stress and they know I have cancer stress. I'm not, that's nothing that is a secret, like, but Mm -hmm. I still get like stresses too. Um, Sure. But I try not to let them get to me too hard. Like I try not to let them be too, um, impact how the day goes. Like I can have a stressful moment and move on, but I do have stress sometimes we all do. So it's totally normal. Sure. Sure. But I'm not really sure if that's That's hard. That's a hard question.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's your answer was perfect. Um, okay. <laughs> what's something surprising that you've learned about yourself?
2: Well, honestly, I'm surprised I. Um, well, first of all, I didn't know what cancer was when I got it. Like I knew what cancer was, but I did not know the impacts it can have physically and mentally person. Like you just don't know until you've had someone yourself or someone really close to you go through it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't about myself. Well, I guess I'm honestly surprised. I, uh, survived a year of chemo and multiple surgeries. I was given red devil, which is the most aggressive type of chemo, um, adromycin. And I can't even believe I survived that, <laughs> that mm-hmm. chemo. But mm-hmm. I don't know if that. I don't know. I just, I knew I had to survive it for my kids. So I don't know if I'm surprised by it, if that's the right word, but happy I survived it, I guess.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's great. Um, Do you have a favorite quote or a motto?
2: I do. I never had one before. I also was not a person that thought that those were something to um, cling on to, but by golly, during my whole cancer journey, and even now, probably the rest of my life my motto is just to create joy like I feel like you can have really bad things happening but you can find the smallest little spark of joy during the day Mm -hmm. and that's and that for me when I would be in bed you know throwing up or whatever all day from chemo (laughs) like Mm -hmm. (laughs) the worst of the worst my husband would be putting the kids to bed at night and they'd be giggling and i would hear them giggle and i thought there's my joy for the day cuz i had to seek it out like it was sometimes kind of hard but like sure. i had to seek it and now that life is quote unquote normal for us i sometimes get kind of like sucked into like the normal routine i have to remind myself no i need to look for joy and be grateful and um kind of embrace looking for it again because it's so important so yeah right that's my motto
0: i think it's great How do you define success?
2: You know what? I know society says success is being bigger and better. Like the next best thing, the next biggest thing. And I always struggled with that. Um, But I don't know. I think success is just being content where you are. Like getting to a point where you're content where you are. Like, if that makes any sense. But Sure. Yeah, just feeling content, like not thinking you need a bigger house or more money or a new car or this or that. Um, I think you feel really true success when you're feeling happiness from what you have.
0: That's great. Yeah.
1: I like that.
0: What's the best advice a mentor or teacher or someone uh, ever gave you about your work or life?
2: Um. Well, I mean, I've gotten a lot of good advice. I think most recently, and um, kind of goes back to joy, was fake it to make it. And I know, so fake it to make it. So like if you're having a really bad day, don't have two really bad days in a row. But I, I like to take it a step further. When you can't fake it to make it, to seek help. And that's my own advice. That's not from somebody. But um, Sure. yeah, sure. like fake it to make it was really good for cancer and when times are tough, But I also, (coughs) sorry, (laughs) I also um, really believe that sometimes we are given more than we can handle and finding a therapist or seeking out someone to help you process is important too. So I want to have that disclaimer on that um, advice. Yes. I,
0: I agree 100%. Do you have a hack that you've discovered that works well? So a lighter question. So some hack or some something you've discovered that might be
2: useful. Not Could a therapy anything. hack, just life hack. Okay. Could be anything. Yeah. Okay. So my favorite hack is going to sound really. I'm I'm love organizing, but I'm not an organ. I don't love maintaining organization. So if <laughs> that makes any sense, I, I love don't. making, I love things, but it's hard to maintain for me. So, anyways, my kids bring home a thousand coloring sheets and papers and all this school stuff. And it's like, what do you do with it? So mm-hmm. we have three um, mail hooks in our like laundry room. So I go through it. I organize, aka, <laughs> put what I don't want in the can, <laughs> and then save the really good, like the really quality pieces and report cards and notes from teachers. Right. Into this mail slot, and once a year. So I'm not like there's not papers everywhere. Once a year, I file them into this little file cabinet thing that has kindergarten through twelfth grade, and put oh, all their nice. papers in. And I only do it once a year. And it sounds like I'm. It looks really impressive, but really <laughs> my like they're all stuffed full. Like schools out, and I still haven't gone through them. <laughs> they're stuffed and overflowing. But I tell you, once I organize it, it'll look really impressive. But that's <laughs> my life back for busy people. I think that's <laughs> yes. great.
0: Yeah. Um, last question. If heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
2: Yes. Well, I I hope God says that I was a kind person. I think that's the most important thing in life. That's what we tell our kids. That's the most important right. thing is be kind. And even when it's hard to try and be kind. Um, and we work on that every day with our kids. So I hope that I pass it on to them. And I hope God can see that I try to be a kind person. So that's my hope.
0: Awesome. Well, Carissa, yeah. thank you for everything and, and what you're doing. And how can people find the book? You said it's on Amazon and the workbook? Yep.
2: So, if, so Amazon has tricky algorithms, I'm finding. Mm-hmm. I don't, every internet thing has tricky algorithms these days. Mm-hmm. But if they type in the book and then scroll down a little bit, um, you'll you'll find it. It um, has a picture of our castle-like Hogwarts Little Free Library in the front. It's illustrated. Um, or they can type in the traveling book Bates, and it should okay. pop up at the top. Yeah, thank
1: you. I, I found it by googling your name, so that oh, works too. Awesome. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> thank you.
0: Well, uh, we do appreciate you joining us, and, and best of luck with everything, and uh, come back and join us uh, again when you when you get the other book published or about okay. to publish. We can talk about it again.
2: Yes. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And this podcast sounds fascinating, so I'm going to start <laughs> listening to it during the day. Thank you. Awesome.
0: Well, that was Carissa Bates. Thank you, Carissa, for sharing your insights and and sharing your personal story about cancer and and having a life after cancer. We really appreciate everything that you've shared with us today. And thank you for joining us on this episode of Telepractice today. If you don't mind, please rate, review, subscribe, follow, or share this episode. We are always trying to attract new listeners. So please share this episode with someone you think might benefit or just leave us that five-star review. Those are helpful strategies to help us grow this podcast. And with that, we'll be back again next week for another episode. Until then, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.